everyone, and welcome to Career View Mirror. I'm your host, Joelle Crawford, and today's very special guest is Dr. Vanessa Freeman. She's a licensed psychologist, and she has her own practice called Searching for Self Counseling and Consulting, LLC. And I am so excited to have Dr. Freeman on the show, and I'm going to go ahead and start calling you Vanessa so we can get all the... <laughs> pomp and circumstances but she has worked hard for that phd y'all so i definitely want to make sure i give her all the credit where credit is due welcome to the show vanessa thank you thank you for having me i'm excited to chat with you ah well we met um several months ago actually and 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 this is like the best time to to talk about this but we talked about you you gave a, a workshop a webinar on self-compassion and I was thinking as you were going through this whole workshop and I was taking all the gems that you were dropping, I was like, she needs to be on the show. I mean, how did she get into this? How did she start studying this and, and sharing the knowledge um, and, and, uh, and wonderful pieces of advice to, to help others um, love themselves and be more compassionate? So I'm glad to have you on the show. How did you get started in your career? Tell us your career view mirror story. Yeah, so it's a windy one, as most of them are. <laughs> um, I, when I was little, I thought I was going to be a lot of different things, not one of which was a psychologist. Mm. Uh, I thought teacher, I thought astronaut. I, you know, I was like, that would be cool. Um, but I ultimately, before I started college, landed on fashion merchandising oddly enough. So I, I started college as a fashion merchandising major at the University of Delaware, and um, they required chemistry in the first semester, two semesters of chemistry overall, but in the first semester they required chemistry. Uh, and the way my spirit set up is chemistry is not in my bag. So yeah. I think <laughs> uh, pretty hard. I did very poorly my first semester. I uh, did not know what I was doing. And so I said, I can't even do the first semester. I got to get, I, I got to get out of here because they're going to ask me to do two semesters of this and it's not going to work. Um, I knew I wanted to help people and in my mind, fashion could do that. Like, how do you help people feel good about themselves and the way that they look? Um, but since that was no longer going to be an avenue, I started trying to broaden that and think a little bit more about what are the different ways we can help. So to make a long story short, there were many dips and turns. My GPA wasn't high enough for this. It, hmm too low for that. And so felt like I got cut off at a couple different spots. Um, I ultimately landed on sociology as my final major. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I did very well in it and still left with that question of then what? Like, I, I don't want to be a professor. And that was, what do I know about sociology at that point? That's not a career we're really taught about when mm -hmm. we're younger. Mm -hmm. um, so I focused in social work because I knew that was a path to help. But while I was in college, I was a resident assistant. So the folks on the floor yes. were the students. And I thought, oh, working in higher ed would be cool. Like, how do I do that? You all work here. How do you do that? So that led me to a master's in counseling and higher education. So the bulk of my experience is in higher ed working with college age students. That's awesome. Uh, so I was an academic advisor for a little while uh, for undeclared and undecided students. So a lot of experience helping people figure out their career paths and what they want to do. Um, before I decided, you know, the parts that really got me excited about working with college students was talking about 
what was hard for them, why they were struggling. And so that led me to decide, both my husband and I decided to quit our full-time jobs and go and get PhDs. So oh. we did that. <laughs> <Voila. laughs> <laughs> makes sense. You know, why not just quit full-time jobs and go jump into doctoral programs? Wow. Um, so that led me on my path to psychology. And even then I, I knew that I wanted to still work within higher education. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I focused a lot on career development and, you know, helping individuals identify what they wanted to do. Once I graduated, I started working at a college counseling center and that went well for a while, but I think my interests and needs changed. Okay. And that's what kind of led me to starting. I mean, that's a very simplified. Yeah. I was going to say how, how, they changed. Like, what do you rem remember where the shift was? Yes. Um, so the short, the short version again, uh, <laughs> is that I was hired in that, in the position that I wound up having to serve the black and African-American community on a predominantly white campus. Okay. And so my and another black woman uh, were hired in that role. We were only two black people at the center. Um, and we encountered a lot, a lot of institutionalized racism, mm -hmm. unconscious bias, and her and I, the way we operate is we call it out and we name it and we try to make sure that things are changed. Um, and it just became too taxing to do yeah. that in addition to my actual job, which was right. to support the students. Um, and as much as I love higher ed, there's some very fundamental issues with how it's run. And I just realized that the way I'm set up, I could not thrive in a setting like that. That's a um, huge realization, huge. Yes, especially since I had been working this whole time thinking higher ed was where I was gonna retire like that. Right you know, that's where I was going to live my career out. And uh, last year in particular, so I, I quit last August and started my private practice in the middle of all this. <laughs> wow. I did not know that it was so soon. Like I knew that you had recently started, but I did not know it was that soon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I can't do this anymore. And as wild as it is to do this in the middle of a pandemic, I have to take care of myself and my well being. And, you know, I'm fortunate and privileged enough to have the degree that I have, to have had a little bit of savings to allow myself to step out on this very scary limb. Yes. Um, and know that now I can create spaces for myself where I don't have to feel small. And hopefully the long-term goal is to also help create spaces for other people to feel the same way. So that's the, the Cliff Notes version of how I, I got I love it. I love the Cliff Notes version of it. And, and I think that there's a huge piece there about not sitting where, you know, blooming where you're planted all the time and sitting in uncomfortable situations like that in an environment that doesn't align with your values and your vision um, and to and people right now who are watching and listening are probably enduring um, like you said uh, these types of uh, systemic racism you know or these types of challenges it may not it may be go go beyond racism but things that just don't feel right um, that that it's, it's more work to show up at work than to do the work that you feel that you're set out to do. Right. Um, it's also interesting how you also took 
your transferable skills. And that's something that I talk to my clients all the, all the time is that just because you're working in this industry doesn't mean that's it. Like there, the buck stops here. You were able to take what you've learned and apply it to your own practice and, and create the space, like you said, um, for, for doing what you want to do. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary too. Like I was just having a conversation this morning, like, okay, so I did this out of a a very strong need. (laughs) Well, what I did not get taught in my training is how to own a business, how to run a business. What does that actually mean? And so now I'm in a place of, okay, well, you figured out a lot of other things in life. Like, you know how to do that. So let's do that again Mm -hmm. so that I can actually grow this thing the way I want it to grow. So it's, yeah, I feel like I've been prepared for this throughout my journey, even though I didn't know that that's what was happening. Um, and I'm hopeful. I, I, I know it will work out. Let's, let's speak it into existence. Yes. Yes. It, it is going to work out. It is working out. And I think that that's, that's a, a huge piece of, of, like you said, I I've done this before. I can do this again. That's a huge act of self-compassion which which leads into the the question of how did you get more involved in in, in preaching the word and, and advocating and being an evangelist for self-compassion yeah, i think it really was this past year that mm-hmm. i personally needed to find a way to show myself some more self-compassion i mean with covid with the social unrest with the racism we've seen it just you know, when we all switched, for those of us that were able to switch to working from home, and even those of us who had to work out there, mm-hmm. there was no real feeling of like slowing down. It just felt like we had to take what we were doing, do it in a virtual space with no like honoring the fact that we're in a pandemic, the fact that there's so much going on that's painful, there's so much collective grief, there's so much collective trauma. Mm-hmm. We were just expected to keep grinding like machines. Yes. Yes. We weren't operating at our normal pace, then at least for me, it was like, why can't I clean my house? Why can't I exercise? Why can't I answer all these emails or see these people? Why do I feel so drained and really beating myself up about that? Yeah. Um, and I had purchased the self-compassion workbook through my previous job and it was sitting on my shelf and I was like, oh, let me dig into this. <laughs> And once I started looking at it, I'm like, yes, like this is what we need all the time, but especially right now, because things are really hard and we are not really taught or shown that it's okay to, to be kind to ourselves. It's okay to slow down, to take the rest when we need it. Um, and the more I got into it and kind of like, okay, here's how I practice it. Here's a more compassionate way to talk to myself or show myself some grace. The more I'm like, I wanna share this with other people. I think it's a really important thing we could all be using, especially right now. Absolutely. Right on. Which is, which is, I was literally, as I was taking the workshop, I was like, oh, more, more people need to hear, hear this um, and understand what it means. So, you know, the word self-care gets thrown around so much. um, But I also discovered the definition of self-leadership, which to me falls in alignment with what I'd like to do which is leading your life, you know, um, in a way that you can lead others as well as yourself. And I I think that a huge part of self-leadership is self-compassion. So tell, tell us a little bit more about what that is. 
Yeah. So I think when people hear self-compassion or like showing yourself kindness, the one of the things that comes up is like, ah, oh, but then I won't be motivated or like I won't work as hard or I'll be lazy or I don't know that I deserve that. You know, I don't know that I've earned that kindness. Mm -hmm. And really when we're talking about self-compassion, we're talking about uh, there are three kind of core elements. It's self-kindness. Mm -hmm. um, so offering ourselves that warmth and unconditional acceptance, being able to soothe and comfort ourselves. It's recognizing the common humanity. So really understanding that a lot of, maybe not this exact situation, but the feelings that we have are shared by all of us of, you know, like, of course, anyone in this situation would feel like that. You're, it's not exactly unique to you. So you don't need to beat yourself up about it and mindfulness. So being able to, to know when they're feelings that are present and not judge them. And so it's really not about um, not pursuing what you want to pursue. It's about taking care of yourself in the process and recognizing that you're human right? And the things are going to come up that require you to pause and take care of yourself. That's not bad. And in a lot of ways that then allows for space for you to keep going. The example I give to clients often is if you're trying to run a race and you have a coach sitting next to you and they're yelling at you and like, why are you, right? You're not going to feel good. But if you have a coach sitting next to you, that's like, you're doing great. You got this. You can keep going. You're likely to feel more energized and motivated. Yeah. And so I, when I think of self-compassion, that's how I view it. It's just being your own cheerleader versus being your own harsh critic, which we don't need more of those. The world is that. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> so much noise out there. Like, you know, you should be getting through this pandemic with a new plan, a new business, a new outlook, a new, you know, all this should. And uh, one of my mentors, my fairy God, one of my fairy God mentors tells me, she goes, stop shooting all over yourself. You should stop. <laughs> Stop, stop should, you know, there's no should, you know, uh, and it, it is, it's hard. I think we're our own worst critic when it comes to uh, being hard on ourselves. And like you said, why can't I get the laundry done? Or why can't I sit still and meditate for a couple of minutes or get lunch made now apparently you know like i feel like i'm running a food truck you know like i've got <laughs> like gotta cook and and make more meals and you know i can't just eat popcorn and wine for dinner because my husband's at the office i've got to like really cook a meal so <laughs> it's just like it's okay if i don't have the energy to do that and and it, it does take practice right so so what are some tips that you could share with our audience about like how do you practice self-compassion? Because I'll catch myself in the act of doing something self-compassionate and I'll jot it down. Like yeah. I'll document it in my celebration journal. But what are some other best practices that you can share with, with our I folks? Mean, first of all, I love that you have a celebration journal. I think that that is just a great tip in and of itself. Let's all get us a celebration <laughs> journal. It's wonderful. Um, but I think you're naming a part of it is you, we have to become more aware of what we're not aware of, right? So, so much of that critical voice is automatic. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the mindfulness component is important because it allows us to be able to slow down and start to recognize when different things are happening, both emotionally and the thoughts that we're having. 
So I would say one, find some type of mindfulness practice. It doesn't have to be meditating for hours at a time. You just be sitting quietly for a couple of minutes. Notice what comes up for you. Get familiar with your, your body, with your emotions, with your thoughts, and then really starting to pay more attention when that critical voice comes in. What am I doing? How does it make me feel? And how can I turn that into a more compassionate phrase or a more encouraging phrase? And then jot that down, right? Affirmations are really helpful. You know, making space for the practice of this and then being compassionate when you make a mistake because you're you're not gonna be able to do this, you know, perfectly all the time, certainly not when you're starting, but taking the wins where you can and showing that compassion to yourself as you go forward. Yeah, I think that's huge is, is, is being able to, to step back and be aware of what's going on, uh, you know, studying emotional intelligence and the folks at Yale were, one of the doctors was saying, you know, if you can name it, you can tame it. So like, what am I feeling right now? Like we were earlier, we were speaking before we started filming was, was I, I took a week off from a birthday and I slipped, tripped and fell back into working <laughs> during my vacation. And I was, it was supposed to be a, a staycation of, of ease and, dis, and, and, and disconnect. And I was really beating myself. I was going round for round. It was like Rocky, you know, like I was just beating myself up um, and just making myself feel worse about it. And I was almost shamed, like felt ashamed that I wasn't strong enough to, to not work. Um, and I know I have uh, an addiction to we, to working and especially being a self, you know, employed person, you know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So I did, I, I practiced that. I, I thought about, you know, well, you know, you're human, you're on vacation. People work on vacation sometimes, you know, just try your best to, you know, enjoy what you have, enjoy the rest of the day that you have. Um, and, and I also felt like confessing to my husband, you know, like, <laughs> like I accidentally worked on my vacation. <laughs> you know, like it felt like a little bit cathartic kind of sharing it instead of it being like this dirty little secret. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even adding in that layer too, of like, of course this would be hard mm -hmm. because I've never really been shown how to disconnect from work in this. That's not in the culture that's not what we're encouraged to do so of course this would be hard mm -hmm. that even is a little bit more like why is this so hard it's like of course okay well then what can i do in the next hour to do something different right mm -hmm. i'm i'm glad that you noticed that but then also said okay it's all right you know the next couple of hours doesn't have to be related to work i can right. still enjoy this vacation yes yes and yesterday I was so proud of myself because I started, I started to feel the tinge. So I start responding to the emails instead of today, you know, on Monday. And I was just like, oh, nope. I shut the computer down and walked out. And I was like, yes, you know, like that was it. Like I was able to walk away and say no. And, and, uh, and, and that was, that felt good. That felt really good. Good for you. Good for you. Mm -hmm. So thanks. Thanks for that. And, and thanks for, for sharing that best practice. Are there any other, other thing, like what if perhaps you just can't seem to um, be kinder to yourself? Like, you know, like what are some ways to like, just weasel it in, weasel self-compassion into your day uh, to make it more of a practice? 
that's a great question. I mean, I'm always going to say therapy is helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's my, it's what I do. I really believe in it. So if it's because it's not easy, right. We're talking about unlearning and relearning something. Sometimes you need a little bit of help. So if that is available to you, I definitely suggest that Mm -hmm. if not, and you're, you know, like, well, how do I just do this quickly? I think always just stopping and saying what half the things I'm saying to myself, would I say them to a friend? Would I say them to a kid? Would I say them to my partner? Like, if you would not say the things you're saying to yourself to anyone else, then why would you say them to yourself, right? Like, why why would that be something you would subject yourself to? You know, sometimes I even tell folks, think about little you, like 10, 11-year-old you struggling with something. And would you say the things that you say to yourself now to that little version of you? Right. What would you say instead? Sometimes that's an easy way to kind of start to sneak a little bit of self-compassion in there. You know, it's funny that you said that because I asked my mother to send me some pictures of my like elementary school days. And I wanted to put a picture of her, like from the fourth grade, you know, her, me, (laughs) me uh, (laughs) in the fourth grade on my desk, just so that I could remember, you know, the little one, the little me, the little joy who, you know, like when I'm having those harsh thoughts and harsh words um, that I look at her and, and think, would you, would you tell the little you this kind of information? No. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think that that might be helpful too, to have like a little picture of, of me or maybe even your family members, like you said, like, would I say this to them? Um, so that's really great. I love that advice about uh, keeping things close and keeping it, thinking about loved ones or uh, close people uh, and, and how you're using your words because they matter. They matter. And even sometimes saying it out loud, like I told a client of mine, like put that in a voice memo and then play it back to yourself. Ooh. And they were like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, right. But you already know that it's not good. So you know, that's the kind of stuff we have to bring to awareness and then kind of, okay, what do I say differently? Well, how could this be more encouraging or more kind, right? It's not about being positive or lying to yourself about whatever the situation is. It's just, where's that kindness, compassion, humanity, you know, around what you're saying? It, ma- it matters. It matters a lot. That's fantastic. And definitely therapy. You know, I'm a daughter of a therapist. She 40 years of therapy. You know, she's she's retired, but she still slips, trips and falls into (laughs) people as well. Um, I think that's where I might be getting my work ethic from. (laughs) But uh, but, uh, well, that that sounds like a session for another time. (laughs) I'm going to have to send you an invoice. (laughs) But um, yeah, you know, it's therapy is a fantastic thing. And I think a lot of times people see that as a, a shameful thing to ask for help. But I really feel like asking for help is a sign of strength, yes. right? So, you know, going to a therapist, even selecting a therapist, um, it can be difficult and challenging. And there's not, you know, as a woman of color, there's a, it's hard to find uh, therapists of color um, that may get you um, better than than the than the mainstream non biopic person. Yeah. So, um, wh- how how you know how do people 
find you? Like, you know, do you have a website um, that people can um, look for you and, and find your practice? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it is hard to find us. Mm -hmm. I think I read something last year that said for psychologists, uh, Black folks make up 4% of like all psychologists nationally. So when we talk about it being hard to access mental health from someone who looks like you, it, it is hard. It's not an exaggeration. Um, so in terms of finding me, though, I have a couple different path. So I'm on psychology today, which is a directory for um, psychologists, mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, master's level clinicians as well. So lots of different people on there. I'm also on therapy for black girls. Um, so folks can find me there. I have an Instagram page where I post what I think is pretty cool content around mental health, around being black and trying to survive in this world. Um, the handle is Dr dot v as in vanessa fry f-r-i free f-r-e-e um, i try to post there pretty often and then my website is um, searching for selfcounseling.com i write a blog on there so again trying to think about what would i want to read or hear or learn about and putting that out for folks as well as other services that i provide related to diversity and inclusion and um, therapy services and things like that that's fantastic and, you know, what do you do to keep your, you know, like, you know, I, I, I could talk for you to you for hours, but what do you do? This is one of two questions. What do you do to keep your energetic cup full? You know, I know practicing self-compassion is one thing. Are there any other things that you do to just stay, you know, recharged during these, these, I hate to say these challenging times, but they really are challenging times. Yeah, I mean, it is something I am having to really learn, learn about hard because it's very easy to overextend, especially as you mentioned, um, being a business owner, like when you don't work, you don't get paid and it can be very easy to say, well, I can't take time off. So I'm trying to surround myself with folks who remind me it's okay. Mm -hmm. They know and to take time off and that I will survive and it will be all right. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and also just try to pay attention to that in myself, you know, like oh, I'm feeling very overwhelmed and burnt out. That means I need to, to pause and hold a boundary around that. Yeah. Um, trying to take naps throughout the day or just schedule space in my calendar where I don't have to do anything, even if it's going for a walk, sitting in a chair and just spacing out for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I, I am, I mean, I'm guilty of like, oh, I want to do 8,000 things all at once. So let me go. And I'm trying to rein that in so that I don't burn out and then I can't be of service to anyone. So really paying attention to that. Um, having my morning routines and my evening routines be static of how I start and end the day really helps too. But it's a journey and the one mm -hmm. I'm still very much trying to refine and, you know, shift and change and therapy for myself. Yeah. I, I don't just say it as other people should do it. I do it too. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's great. And a lot of times as caregivers, we don't eat our own food, right? We never, we give so much, but we don't take the, the you know, take and receive, re receiving that, that same assistance. Right. So those are great tips. Now, what would be, this is my favorite career view mirror question is, what advice would you give the younger you, the little Vanessa? Um, what career advice would you give her? Well, I mean, first of all, young Vanessa, like 18 year old Vanessa could not even imagine the things that we've done 
in the last 10 plus years. She would be shocked. And so I think to her, I would say, lean into your gifts and talents. Mm -hmm. There was so much self-doubt and make, I spent, I still am struggling with it, but I spent so much time being small, making myself small because I, I'm too much, too emotional, too talkative, too this, too that. Um, and those are the things that I think are my gifts and my talents and make me able to do the work I'm doing. And so I would say to her, really figure out how to lean into that sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I feel like I've wasted time, but just trust your gut and what comes naturally to you. That's going to lead you to what feels most fulfilling and aligned with your values. And that it's okay to make mistakes and, yes. and bumble around and figure it out. I'm still doing that. Um, but those would probably be the two, the two biggest things that I would tell her. Nice. Lean into your skills and your values. It's okay to make mistakes. Trust mm -hmm. your gut. Um, that's, that's fantastic. I think little Vanessa, younger Vanessa would appreciate that, that advice. And I think my, our, our, our viewers, the audience appreciates the advice and your story. So I really appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing all of, all of your gifts with us. Um, and thank you so much for being here. Uh, Vanessa Freeman, Dr. Vanessa Freeman can be found on all like she said, all of the different social media platforms, make sure to subscribe to her blog, as well as her IG uh, page. What was that handle again? What was the handle? So complicated. Dr. V Fry Free. It's my first initial, my the three first letters of my maiden name and the last, like my Freeman. So okay. F-R-I-F-R-E-E. -E. Right. I try to keep all my pieces of my identity wrapped up. All in together my in that handle. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you're getting when you get it. <laughs> and we'll make sure to put all of those um, those handles and everything in our um, notes so that people can can connect with you. Uh, thank, thank you so much. much. Well, thank you for having me and the work you're doing to kind of have these conversations with your audience. I think it's important. And if we could all learn a little bit of self-compassion, I think we could all start to make some changes in the world that benefit us all. Absolutely. Amen to that. Thank you for, for showing up and holding space for us. And all of you, thank you for, for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Um, and if you're interested in being a guest, shoot me an email. Um, that's, that's also a way to, to appear. But thank you very much for being here. And we'll see you next time.